Good evening, this is Caleb Arnd with the Walk With God podcast and YouTube channel. Tonight we're going to be reading from Psalm 74, Deuteronomy chapters 21 and 22, Proverbs chapter 12 verse 11, and Luke chapter 9 verses 51 through chapter 10 verse 12 tonight. Before we get started, let's open with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, please bless this time that we have together. Please bless our study of your word. Please help us to grow with it. Father, please give us your word that and your message that you have for us tonight. Help us to take your divine message, your straight and straightforward instruction and guidance that you have for us. Lord, open our ears and open our hearts to receive your word and your instruction. And Lord, I pray for our country. I pray that you would cleanse this land of this virus. I pray that you would heal all those that are fighting against it. Please protect all of our first responders, all of our EMTs, all of our soldiers, all of our, our policemen and women, all the nurses and doctors and all those, Lord, that are keeping our, our country safe and keeping it running during this time. Please protect them. Please heal them. Please keep them healthy and strong. Help them to be able to fight off this virus and this infectious, and infect, infectious disease, Lord. And I pray for the protection for those that are um, are more susceptible to this virus, those that have a low immune system. Lord, I pray your hedge of protection, your holy protection around them. And I pray for healing for those that are fighting cancer, such as uh, Sharon's grandpas and Grandpa Napuanoa and Grandpa Delano and Joel McConkie and uh, Frida Ortiz and those that are fighting against cancer. Lord, I pray that you would... Uh, you would divinely intervene in their lives. I pray that you would heal them fully and completely and wholly, Lord. In Jesus' name, help us to grow. Amen. Psalm 74 is where we're going to start tonight, and it says, O God, why hast thou cast us off forever? Why doth thine anger smoke against the sheep of thy pasture? Remember thy congregation, which thou hast purchased of old, the rod of thine inheritance, which thou hast redeemed, this Mount Zion, wherein thou hast dwelt. Lift up thy feet unto the perpetual desolations, even all that the enemy hath done wickedly in the sanctuary. Thine enemies roar in the midst of thy congregations. They set up their ensigns for signs. A man was famous according as he had lifted up axes upon the thick trees, but now they break down the carved work thereof at once with axes and hammers. They have cast fire into thy sanctuary. They have defiled by casting down the dwelling place of thy name to the ground. They said in their hearts, Let us destroy them together. They have burned up all the synagogues of God in the land. We see not our signs, there is no more any prophet, neither is there among us any that knoweth how long. O God, how long shall the adversary reproach? Shall the enemy blaspheme thy name forever? Why withdrawest thou thy hand, even thy right hand? Pluck it out of thy bosom. For God is my king of old, working salvation in the midst of the earth. Thou didst divide the sea by thy strength. Thou breakest the heads of the dragons in the waters." Thou breakest the heads of Leviathan in pieces, and gavest him to be meat to the people inhabiting the wilderness. Thou didst cleave the fountain and the flood. Thou driedst up mighty rivers. The day is thine, the night also is thine. Thou hast prepared the light and the sun. Thou hast set all the borders of the earth. Thou hast made summer and winter. Remember this, that the enemy hath reproached, O Lord, and that the foolish people have blasphemed thy name. O deliver not the soul of thy turtle dove unto the multitude of 
of the wicked. Forget not the congregation of thy poor forever. Have respect unto the covenant, for the dark places of the earth are full of the habitations of cruelty. O let not the oppressed return ashamed. Let the poor and needy praise thy name. O rise, O God, plead thine own cause. Remember how the foolish man reproacheth thee daily. Forget not the voice of thine enemies. The tumult of those that rise up against thee increaseth continually. And here is a prayer for God to remember his chosen people, to remember those that he has called, that those that are the sheep of his pasture, to remember his congregation that he purchased with his blood and with his outstretched arm and his strong arm that he delivered them out of Israel, how he parted the waters and delivered them, how he destroyed their enemies and uh, here, even the God of nature that had power over nature and over his creation, in verse 13 and 14, breaking the heads of Leviathan and uh, breaking the heads of dragons in the waters, it says, and thou didst cleave the fountain and the flood, thou driedst up the mighty rivers. The God who has all power over creation has the power to divinely intervene in the lives of people, but we can still cry unto the Lord and understand that sometimes he uses punishment. He uses sometimes suffering for chastening. And uh, we see that in the defilement of the temple. We see that when uh, the verses 4 through 11 are talking about how the enemies of God were destroying the temple. They were throwing fire in it. They were breaking down the, the carvings, the angels, and the things that had been set up in there. And they were uh, tearing down this, this house of God. And we also see that the enemy hath reproached, in verse 18 it says, and that at the uh, the foolish people have blasphemed thy name, and so they are crying out, O deliver not the soul of thy turtle dove unto the multitude of the wicked. Forget not the congregation of thy poor forever. This is a cry, and so sometimes we can learn that, yes, it is right to cry unto the Lord and ask for him to deliver us, and to believe in him, and to trust in him, and to know that despite anything or everything that might be going on around us, he is still God, he is still in control, he is still on the throne, and we can trust in his perfect goodness and his righteousness to lead us into perfect truth. Now we're going to turn back to the book of Deuteronomy tonight. We're going to read chapter 21 and 22 of the book of Deuteronomy. And it says, If one be found slain in the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee to possess it, lying in the field, and it be not known who hath slain him, then thy elders and thy judges shall come forth, and they shall measure unto the cities which are round about him that is slain. And it shall be that the city which is next unto the slain man, even the elders of that city shall take an heifer which hath not been wrought with, and which hath not drawn in the yoke. And the elders of that city shall bring down the heifer unto a rough valley, which is neither eared nor sown, and shall strike off the heifer's neck there in the valley. And the priests, the sons of Levi, shall come near, for them the Lord thy God hath chosen to minister unto him, and to bless in the name of the Lord, and by their word shall ever every controversy and every stroke be tried. And all the elders of that city that are next unto the slain man shall wash their hands over the heifer that is beheaded in the valley. And they shall answer and say, Our hands have not shed this blood, neither have our eyes seen it. 
Be merciful, O Lord, unto thy people Israel, whom thou hast redeemed, and lay not innocent blood unto thy people of Israel's charge, and the blood shall be forgiven them. So shalt thou put away the guilt of the innocent blood from among you, when thou shalt do that which is right in the sight of the Lord. When thou goest forth to war against thine enemies, and the Lord thy God hath delivered them into thine hands, and thou hast taken them captive, and seest among the captives a beautiful woman, and hast a desire unto her, that thou wouldest have her to thy wife, then thou shalt bring her uh, home to thine house, and she shall shave her head, and pare her nails, and she shall put the raiment of her captive. Uh, captivity from off her, and shall remain in thine house, and bewail her father and her mother a full month, and after that thou shalt go in unto her, and be her husband, and she shall be thy wife. And it shall be, if thou have no delight in her, then thou shalt let her go whither she will, but thou shalt not sell her at all for money, thou shalt not make merchandise of her, because thou hast humbled her. If a man have two wives, one beloved and another hated, and they have borne him children, both the beloved and the hated, and if the firstborn son be hers that was hated, then it shall be when he maketh his sons to inherit that which he hath, that he may not make the son of the beloved firstborn before the son of the hated, which is indeed the firstborn. But he shall acknowledge the son of the hated for the firstborn, by giving him a double portion of all that he hath, for he is the beginning of his strength, the right of the firstborn is his. If a man have a stubborn and rebellious son, which will not obey the voice of his father, or the voice of his mother, and that when they have chastened him, will not hearken unto them, then shall his father and his mother lay hold on him, and bring him out unto the elders of his city, and unto the gate of his place. And they shall say unto the elders of his city, This is our son, is stubborn and rebellious, he will not obey our voice, he is a glutton and a drunkard, and all the men of his city shall stone him with stones that he die. So shalt thou put away evil from among you, and all Israel shall hear and fear. And if a man have committed a sin worthy of death, and he be put to death, and thou hang him on a tree, his body shall not remain all night upon the tree, but thou shalt in any wise bury him that day. For he that is hanged is accursed of God, that thy land be not defiled, which the Lord thy God giveth thee for an inheritance. Chapter 22 Thou shalt not see thy brother's ox or his sheep go astray, and hide thyself from them. Thou shalt in any case bring them again unto thy brother. And if thy brother be not nigh unto thee, or if know him not, then thou shalt bring it unto thine house, and it shall be with thee until thy brother seek after it, and thou shalt restore it to him again. In like manner shalt thou do with his ass, and so shalt thou do with his raiment, and with all lost thing of thy brother's which he hath lost, and thou hast found, shalt thou do likewise, thou mayest not hide thyself. Thou shalt not see thy brother's ass or his ox fall down by the way, and hide thyself from them. Thou shalt surely help him to lift them up again. The woman shall not wear that which pertaineth unto a man, neither shall a man put on a woman's garment. For all that do so are abomination unto the Lord thy God. If a bird's nest chance to be before thee in the way in any tree or on the ground, whether they be young ones or eggs, or and the dam sitting upon the young or upon the eggs, thou shalt not take the dam with the young. But thou shalt in any wise let the dam go, and take the young to thee, to thee, that it may be well with thee, and that thou mayest prolong thy days. When thou buildest a new house, then thou shalt make a battlement for thy roof, that thou bring not blood upon thine house, if any man fall from thence. Thou shalt not sow thy vineyard with diverse seeds, lest the fruit of thy seed which thou hast sown, and the fruit of thy vineyard be defiled. Thou shalt not plough with an ox and an ass together. Thou shalt not wear a garment of diverse sorts, as of woolen and linen together. 
Thou shalt make the fringes upon the, the four quarters of thy vesture, wherewith thou coverest thyself. If any man take a wife, and go in unto her, and hate her, and give occasions of speech against her, and bring up an evil name upon her, and say, I took this woman, and when I came to her, I found her not a maid. Then shall the father of the damsel and her mother take and bring forth the tokens of the damsel's virginity unto the elders of the city in the gate. And the damsel's father shall say unto the elders, I gave my daughter unto this man to wife, and he hateth her. And lo, he hath given occasions of speech against her, saying, I found not thy daughter a maid, and yet these are the tokens of my daughter's virginity. And they shall spread the cloth before the elders of the city. And the elders of that city shall take that man and chastise him. And they shall immerse him in an hundred shekels of silver, and give them unto the father of the damsel, because he hath brought an, up an evil name upon a virgin of Israel. And she he shall be his wife, he may not put her away all his days. But if this thing be true, and the tokens of virginity be not found for the damsel, then they shall bring out the damsel to the door of her father's house, and the men of her city shall stone her with stones that she die, because she hath wrought folly in Israel to play the whore in her father's house. So shalt thou put away evil from among you. If a man be found lying with a woman married to an husband, then they shall both of them die, both the man that lay with the woman and the woman, so shalt thou put away evil from Israel. If a damsel that is a virgin be betrothed unto an husband, and a man find her in the city and lie with her, then ye shall bring them both out unto the gate of that city, and ye shall stone them with stones that they die, the damsel because she cried not, being in the city, and the man because he hath humbled his neighbor's wife. So thou shalt put away evil from among you. But if a man find a betrothed damsel in the field, and the man force her and lie with her, then the man only that lay with her shall die. But unto the damsel thou shalt do nothing. There is in the damsel no sin worthy of death. For as when a man riseth against his neighbor and slayeth him, even so is this matter. For he found her in the field, and the betrothed damsel cried, and there was none to save her. If a man find a damsel that is a virgin which is not betrothed, and lay hold on her and lie with her, and they be found, then the man that lay with her shall give unto the damsel's father fifty shekels of silver, and she shall be his wife. Because he hath humbled her, he may not put her away all his days. A man shall not take his father's wife, nor discover his father's skirt. Here in Deuteronomy chapter 21, we have uh, the Lord speaking and giving commandments about a man, uh, if a man be found slain in a land, uh, and nobody knows what has happened, or who's caused it, or who's killed this man, or how he died, then all the, the priests and the Levites shall be gathered. They'll measure what the closest city is, and then the men of that city will take a heifer, which is a, a female cow that has not born a calf, and they'll take that heifer, and they'll cut its head off and sacrifice it unto the Lord and shed its blood. Then they'll wash their hands above the blood and above this animal, and proclaim unto the Lord that they have not uh, borne any witness of this murder, and that they have not had any knowledge of this murder. And so through that, put away the evil and the iniquity from among them. Then for um, marriage to female captives that uh, men have taken in acts of war and ha that have not known man, uh, it was lawful for them to take them and to make them their wife after giving them proper time to mourn their families that they had just lost. And so in this, the Lord was uh, allowing them to establish bring them in to establish them as part of their home, as part of their tribes, and bring them into Israel, which is kind of strange, but it's a 
this was almost kind of a protective measure for those people. And so they were allowed to being integrated into society and not just like as slaves and not as servants and bondmen and women, but as uh, actual members of the family. And these laws were uh, much more civil, much more humane compared to many other civilizations that uh, by rights of conquest would just turn them into all slaves. And so, and it says, she shall put the raiment of her captivity from off her and shall remain in thine house and bewail her father and her, her mother a full month. And so she's given a full month for time to uh, adjust to her surroundings and to mourn her family that she has lost before she becomes uh, this man's wife then. And then even after that, but thou shalt not sell her at all. You, She shall never be made a slave, but if she does not please thee, and so um, if she does not work out and there's no relationship that could possibly be established there, then she can be let go, but she cannot be sold. And so thus, once again, protecting the rights of uh, the human being and the rights of liberty in this. Uh, next is the firstborn's inheritance. And so if a man has two wives and he loves the one wife but hates the other wife, and the, uh, but still has the wife that he hates, and the firstborn son is born to the wife that he doesn't like or that he hates, the command of the Lord is that he shall not disrupt or he shall not change the inheritance or the birthright. And so the firstborn is the truly firstborn and he shall be treated like the firstborn, protecting the family and protecting the family lineage as well. Now, there were very adverse and strict punishments for rebellious, for rebellious children. And this is shown in verse 18 through 21 of chapter 21 that shows that a rebellious son that's a drunkard, a glutton, and does not, uh, not listen to any of the advice or commands of his parents and just is wasting their substance and repeatedly and repeatedly uh, disobeys them and rejects their counsel, rejects their commands, rejects their wisdom, and... Uh, just has no hope and is proud and lifted up and a glutton and a drunkard and a, uh, when they have chastened him he will not hearken unto them and so when they uh, still try to teach and to train him and he just completely rejects everything that they are trying to do for him then they'll take him to the city which is a place uh, and to the gate of the city which is the place of judgment the place of power the place of meeting and congregation and they'll stone him with stones there and this was a harsh uh, punishment, but it was done to put away evil from among Israel. And there's no recorded uh, historical time that this was ever actually done or ever actually used, but they are setting the standard high so that the children would fear and would listen and respect and reverence their parents as they should. Now, it also gives a, a law of uh, no man's allowed to be hung past night or past evening if they are put to death. And the various laws in uh, chapter 22 is um, many different types of laws here. And we see some like, um, if you see something that is your brother's, you'll keep it for him. If you know where he is, you'll go and return it. If you don't know where he is, you'll hold on to it until he comes looking for it and then return it to him. You won't keep it, you won't keep it for yourself, but you will faithfully return it to him. Um, and if your uh, brother, if somebody is close to you, has a, a donkey, has a cow, or has something that's fallen over, and he's trying to pick it back up, you won't just walk by. You'll stay, and you'll go, and you'll actually help him. And so this is a command. The woman shall not wear that which pertaineth unto a man, neither shall a man put a woman's 
put on a woman's garment for all that do so are abomination unto the Lord thy God. And so for this, uh, especially this was a denial of pagan practices and um, sometimes uh, for worshiping false idols and false gods, these Canaanites and these other people uh, would worship them by um, putting on the garments and putting on the armor or putting on things that pertain to the other sex because sometimes the false idols that they would create would be shapen like that. And so a female false god wearing male clothing or a male false god, uh, false idol wearing female clothing. And so uh, men sometimes would go in colorful dresses to worship these false idols. And so we, so we see here that pagan religions and pagan practices and uh, devilish oppression and influence bring confusion in the sexes and bring confusion in uh, true worship of the true God. And so God is completely denying all of this and he's clearing the field and saying, this is how you shall worship. You won't confuse things. You will keep things clear and pure and true. And uh, things, uh, laws about and instructions about a bird's nest. So uh, take care of the animals that are producing in the fields. And when you uh, find things that you can eat, take them, but leave the animals that can still reproduce. If somebody builds a house and he builds a rooftop that people can go and lodge up there and stay up there uh, during either the cool of the day or uh, during their nighttime and just to provide another place of rest where the air can flow more freely, you put a battlement around it to protect anybody that's up there from following off, falling off and dying. You won't, um, don't combine woolen and linen garments together. This was also kind of a possibly a pagan practice that um, sometimes they would combine these different types of linens and wools and uh, sewing threads so that they can uh, think that they will draw power from nature somehow or possibly power from the signs of the heavens and the stars and so they would that would somehow make their sheepfolds and things grow. And so the Lord is systematically removing all things that could possibly be referred to or seen as idol worship or seen as nature and heaven and heavenly stars and moon and sun worship and things like that. And so by that, he is separating them to himself and to God and a pure worship of him. Don't sow your vineyard with diverse seeds. And so just plant one type of seed per field so that you can keep all of them together in all the same type of seed and make fringes upon the four quarters or all the borders of thy vesture, thy garments. And sometimes this was a uh, garment that was used as an outer kind of cloak. And some sometimes it could be a very large square garment. Some of them could be in different shapes and colors, but the the outer garment itself was easily taken off, easily put it be it would easily be put back on and it would act as a cloak and a covering for night and act as bedding as well so that they could use this in the cold of the night to keep themselves warm, to keep the dew off from uh, the dew that would cover the ground and then cover the outer garment while they were sleeping and when they would wake up. and. Uh, sometimes this was used as a pledge as well. And so they would give this outer garment that would their covering and their protection for a pledge of a debt, but it was supposed to be returned to them by night 
by the law of Moses so that, and the law of God so that they could have something to keep them warm while they slept and then returned again as a pledge the next day. And those that were seen, and those that would take this pledge and would not give it by night were seen as inhumane because they were depriving somebody of his, um, his clothing and of his warmth and comfort for that night. And now, if there were also laws about if a man take a wife and finds displeasure in him, in her, or uh, says that she was not a virgin when she, when she and he were married and uh, came together, then they'll bring them to the gates, and whoever is found at guilt and at fault will be chastised or will be stoned. And so, if the man is found to be lying, he shall be chastised, he shall be taught and corrected and punished because of this, because he has, uh, dis he has slandered the name of his wife, and he slandered the name and the character of her family that she came from. But if she and the test for this first was that uh, this cloth of her virginity, it says, and the tokens of her virginity were spread before them to be judged. And so this really sounds really weird today, but this uh, token of virginity and this uh, the status of her virginity was a very protected and uh, precious uh, sign back then. And this was also the that which would keep her alive as well if he would be ill-favored toward her. And so her family would keep the uh, the wedding bed sheets that would prove that she was a virgin at the night of their, um, their joining together as husband and wife, and they would keep that as proof of her virginity at that night. And so they would spread this then as the token and as the evidence of that fact. And so, but if it's found that she was not a virgin when she was married, then she would be taken out and stoned to put evil away from the people of Israel. There were also laws against sexual immorality. So if a man um, and a woman were laying together in the city and she was betrothed or she was uh, married to a husband, then they would both be stoned to death because they were in the city. She could have cried for help and help would have come. If she was um, if she was not betrothed and they lie together, then they are commanded to get married and he cannot put her away all his life by a consequence for their sin. And if they were found outside of the city, then only the man shall be stoned because uh, she, even if she did cry, could not be heard, and she had no hope of people coming and helping her. And so, just like uh, somebody that would go out and commit a murder against a man, it's saying that this is the same case, that she didn't have any help, and he is the only one to blame in this case. Okay, now we're going to turn to the book of Proverbs, chapter 12, and we're going to read verse 11. And it says, He that tilleth his land shall be satisfied with bread, but he that followeth vain persons is void of understanding. So he that tills his land, he that digs and uh, uses the, the plow and digs up the earth to gain the nourishment from the deep soil that the rain has placed there and the minerals has placed there, he that um, plants his seed, he that grows his harvest, he shall be satisfied with bread. So work hard, continue to work wisely, um, dig for that wisdom and find it and find that experience and keep working hard and you shall be satisfied. You will be provided for by your hard work. But he that followeth vain persons, those that think that they're so high and lifted up 
without actually having any substance to them. Those that think of themselves as experts without any real experience or any real proven times that they have done well and good for themselves and for others, he is void of understanding. And so we should follow after people that have done and proven themselves wisely through years of service. And we can see that in pastors that have successfully uh, served with a good character and a good testimony for years of their life. We can also find that in biblical and godly men who have done their business for years and done it well and wisely and have a good testimony for it. Now we're going to turn to the book of Luke chapter 9 and we're going to read verses 51 through chapter 10 verse 12. And Luke 9 51 says, And it came to pass when the time was come that he should be received up, he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem and sent messengers before his face. And they went and entered into a village of the Samaritans to make ready for him. And they did not receive him because his face was as though he would go to Jerusalem. And when his disciples James and John saw this, they said, Lord, wilt thou that we command fire to come down from heaven and consume them, even as Elias did? But he turned and rebuked them and said, Ye know not what manner of spirit ye are of. For the Son of Man is not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And they went to another village. And it came to pass that as they went in the way, a certain man said unto him, Lord, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. And Jesus said unto him, Foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. And he said unto another, Follow me. But he said, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. And Jesus said unto him, Let the dead bury their dead, but go thou and preach the kingdom of God. And another also said, Lord, I will follow thee, but let me first go bid them farewell, which are at home at my house. And Jesus said unto him, No man, having put his hand to the plow, and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. Chapter 10. After these things, the Lord appointed other seventy also, and sent them two and two before his face into every city and place whither he himself would come. Therefore said he unto them, The harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth laborers into his harvest. Go your ways. Behold, I send you forth as lambs among wolves. Carry neither purse, nor scrip, nor shoes, and salute no man by the way. And into whatsoever house ye enter, first say, Peace be to this house. And if the Son of Peace be there, your peace shall rest upon it. If not, it shall turn to you again. And in the same house remain, eating and drinking such thing as they, as they give, for the laborer is worthy of his hire. Go not from house to house. And into whatsoever city ye enter, and they receive you, eat such things as are set before you. And heal the sick that, that are therein, and say unto them, The kingdom of God is come nigh unto you. But into whatsoever city ye enter, and they receive you not, go your ways out into the streets of the same, and say, Even the very dust of your city which cleaveth on us we do wipe off against you. Notwithstanding, be ye sure of this, that the kingdom of God is come nigh unto you. But I say unto you that it shall be more tolerable in that day for Sodom than for that city. So here the Lord Jesus Christ is preparing to go to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover, but also to prepare to be sacrificed himself as the sacrificial lamb that shed its blood for all sins of all mankind, all of all time, past, present, and future. And it says that he set his face steadfastly to go to Jerusalem. There are, said, there are some that I've heard say that he didn't want to die. He didn't want to go and die on the cross. But they made him. But no, this was his steadfast 
committed determination to go and fulfill that which was his will and his father's will, which was to save all mankind. And verse 56 says this, For the Son of Man is not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And so it was his great will, his perfect will, to go to Jerusalem, to die on the cross for all of our sins, that we could forever be with him in eternity. And we could have that eternal life that he gives as a free gift. And so uh, the, the uh, citizens of the city of Samaria and of the Samaritans there, of the village of the Samaritans, it says, rejected him. Uh, because he was fixing to go to Jerusalem, they rejected him because he was a Jew going to Jerusalem. And sadly, uh, they, there are still many that reject Jesus because of either they don't like his genealogy or they don't like his lineage or they don't like what he says or what he represents or what he wants to do in their lives. We should and we should also learn from James and John who saw this and they said, should we command, fi command fire to come down upon this village because they rejected you? And he said, and this is when he says, verse 56, No, you know not what manner of spirit you're of. It's not my spirit to destroy men, but to save them. Jesus is also approached, and he commands one man to follow after him, but they, these men are making excuses. And so Jesus is saying, the foxes have holes, birds have nests. They have somewhere to stay. They have somewhere to live. They have somewhere to return to. But the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Sometimes it is very insecure to go and step out into following after the Lord God, not knowing where he will take us. But we can trust that he always will provide, and we'll see that in the 70 that he sends out to labor. And then also, uh, men make excuses as, uh, let me go bury my father, or let me go bid my family farewell. And Jesus here says that the famous verse, no man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. And so that's because that if you are fixing and you're setting forward to that plow and you're looking back, you are not keeping a straight line while plowing in the field. And so you're messing up your furrows and you're going to mess up your work if you have your eyes fixed on something else. And so a preacher that is set and fixed to preach the word of God, but has his eyes fixed on the world is going to mess up. But if he has his eyes fixed on God and set firmly on God, looking forward and not looking back, then he can keep a straight line and do great work for the Lord. The harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Here Jesus Christ gives to his disciples his only ever prayer request. Pray the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth laborers into his harvest. Uh, Dr. Paul Chapel wrote a book with Dwight Tomlinson called Sending Forth Laborers, and it's uh, fashioned after this, this, this purpose that the Lord does want to send forth laborers, and so we, we see that he also appoints laborers then, and so he set, appoints 70 that, to go into villages and towns and to preach repentance and the kingdom of God is at hand and to heal the sick that are there and say unto them, the kingdom of God has come nigh unto you. And, and then so he commands them, whatever you say you go to, if the city receives you, uh, bless them with peace and let the son of peace be there with you. But if they reject you, wipe off even the, the dust of that city from your shoes. 
and it, it, go into the streets, it says, and say of the same, even the very dust of your city, which cleaveth on us, we do wipe off against you, notwithstanding, be sure of this, that the kingdom of God has come nigh unto you. But I say unto you that it shall be more tolerable in that day for Sodom than for that city. Sodom and Gomorrah were destroyed from the heaven by fire and brimstone that was sent by God out of heaven to destroy those cities. And for it for be, to be more tolerable for Sodom that suffered fire and brimstone to be rained down upon it than for that city, that means that city is going to face a horrible, horrible fate. And the burning of fire and brimstone in hell that will last for all eternity. And so here we, we do need to learn something. That the stern word of the Lord Jesus Christ about judgment is never something that we should uh, sugarcoat. It, it's not something that we should compromise on. It's not something that we should water down and weaken because it's not weak. It's very strong. And when he pronounces judgment upon a city for rejecting him, for rejecting his uh, sent ones, for rejecting us, and reject they're not really rejecting us. They're still, they're rejecting the Lord Jesus Christ. They're rejecting his gospel. They're rejecting his sacrifice for them and his free offer of eternal life and salvation from the wrath to come, from hell and hellfire. But, those that do trust in the Lord can know that he freely offers eternal life and we can help others to trust in him. Just as Jude 23 says, and others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garments spotted by the flesh. We can help others be saved from that fire if we spread the gospel like the Lord has commanded us to and to pray for more laborers to be sent into his harvest as well. Friend, thank you for studying the Word of God with me tonight. I hope it's been a blessing for you. It definitely has for me. And uh, I've learned a lot tonight, and I, I hope that you have as well. If you have any prayer requests or praise reports, please send them to me at wwgcaleb at gmail.com. That's wwgcaleb at gmail.com, and I'll be sure for, to look for those. Thanks once again for listening. We'll see you tomorrow for the next Walk with God podcast.